All right, verse 1. So in the first book, which was what? We already talked about it. He wrote Luke. Luke wrote Luke. So he's saying, okay, in the first book, O Theophilus, or we can call him Theo, all right? In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with what Jesus began to do and teach. So the gospel of Luke, he was talking about all the things Jesus did and taught. And I just love that. Christianity is all about words and deeds. It's not just doing. It ain't just teaching. When Christ came to earth, he didn't just talk a lot. And then he didn't just do a bunch of good deeds. It's words and deeds, man. Jesus began to do and teach. I like that word began. Philippians 1, we just finished that, yeah? He who began a good work. So he's pointing out to Theo, hey, remember my first book? Jesus started up. He started doing all these things, teaching all these things. Verse 2, until the day when he was taken up, he ascended. So Jesus was on the earth physically, doing stuff, teaching stuff about the kingdom of God. And then he was taken. And after, he'd been, and after he had given commands through that's the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. We'll pause there for a little bit. Let's zoom in on some terms. So we see that Jesus began to do and teach, all right? We saw that. He was taken up. So he's physically ascended. He's going to talk. We're going to get to the, uh, later verses next week in the ascension. Um, and then it says, given commands through the Holy Spirit. Now I want to zoom in on that. So Jesus, physical Jesus, his time has come and he ascends. But his work is not done. The finished work on the cross for the atoning of our sins, that's finished. That's done. Now it's time to round up the sheep. And the Holy Spirit, the hound of heaven, he's going to go, he's going to unleash. That's, that's what's going to happen in the book of Acts. And the work of Christ, Jesus began to do and teach, and he's still doing and teaching. That's what I want us to see. His work continues. It's not stopping when he left. That means his work is even doing, he's doing and teaching right now. But it's through the commands, through his word and the spirit. John 4, a time is coming, has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Jesus is alive, man. And he's still going. The word of God is living and active. Hebrews 4. The Holy Spirit that was at work then is still at work now. It's the same Holy Spirit working in us. Verse 3. So he presented himself alive. Okay. Well, let me read through it. To them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay. So Luke starts off his book. He's like, all right, Theo, or the reader, I want you to get this. Jesus ascended. He's taken up. But he's still working. He's still going. The work is, st he's still moving through the commands of the Holy Spirit. The work of Christ is still continuing. It didn't stop. And then he says, he wants to point this out in verse three. And you know, when he, before he left, he presented himself alive. Now let's just think about that. Why does he say that? Why does he need to mention that? Because right now in the time he had just died. Yeah. That's, don't breeze past that. He wants to make sure Theophilus hears this straight. 
You know the one who died? He's alive. Like for real, for real. A beloved sister of ours just recently passed. You know, 40 years old. And I was talking to her husband, a good friend of mine, one of my best men. And he was mentioning to me how even days after, like, the, the kids couldn't, it, it wasn't real that mom was gone. Like, it, it just was like, he's like, oh, yeah, they wake up sometimes and they still think, like, I, I don't believe. It, it doesn't feel real. Okay, the real, for those of us who have lost loved ones, right, you know, like, even with grandpa, it's like, there's a sense of, like, oh, my gosh, he's really gone. Now, imagine that having a hard time coming to grips with the reality of death. How about resurrection? Brah. So it's noteworthy that Luke needs to say, no, he's alive. He presented himself alive, breathing, living to them after his suffering. Now, look at this. Many proofs. Choking proofs. One of them is in John 20. I like that one. I'll read it to you. It'll ring a bell once I start reading it. John chapter 20, verse 24 to 28, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve called twin, such a cool nickname, eh? Yo, twinny. Called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, We've seen the Lord. But he said, no, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of his nails, place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Rightfully. I mean, he's reacting normal like a human, right? It's like, I saw him die. I saw them pin him to a tree. I saw them do the spikes and everything. I don't know. Unless I see those scars. No, 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 no. I need proof. Eight days later. The disciples were inside. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, that's so fun. Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus walked through the locked doors. He walked through the walls. That's so fun. And he said, peace, because they probably was all like, ah, right? He just walks through the walls. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. You see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. Believe it. This is historical fact, man. I'm alive. Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Now, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is one of the many proofs, many proofs. And, and rightfully so, right? Just a death is hard to wrap your mind around. Now, can you imagine a resurrection? And how many times? You put your hand right there, man. Luke is wanting to make sure Theo sees this is historical. This is real. He was dead, and now he's alive. Is that the Christ you put your faith in? I do. This is a reasonable faith, right? And then it says what? Back in Acts, many proofs appearing to them, not one, not two, not 30 days, not a month, 40 days. 40 days in speaking of the kingdom of God. That's an abundance of proof right there. Can you imagine just the second day for the disciples? Can you imagine going to sleep on the first day you, he appeared or whatever, if, you know, you saw and then just wake? It'd be hard for me to even sleep. Like, oh my gosh. You wake up in the morning, 
there he is again, you know, like, it's like day 14, oh my gosh, you know, like, you're alive, like, and, and maybe it took, I mean, do you believe this? If you're honest with yourself, sometimes, doesn't that sound fiction? You follow a man that died and came back to life? That's what you believe in? That's what I believe in. See, the problem with unbelief isn't the facts. And that's what I love that the Luke, the doctor, he presents the facts. The problem with your unbelief and my unbelief isn't the facts. There's facts. This is factual. I don't question the existence of Shakespeare and his books. And yet, if you were to ask me, oh, give me proof that Shakespeare really did write Romeo and Juliet, I probably couldn't even bust out any proof to show it. Oh, I just, you know, the kind I took them in high school. <laughs> but if you want to get nuts and you want to go come look for the facts, the facts of this, the historical Christ dying and rising in this book, it's just through the roof. Our unbelief, your unbelief, your family's unbelief, your neighbor's unbelief, it, 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 it's not... The problem is not the facts. The, the problem is our unbelieving hearts. This is a heart issue. What's, what's, what's important is God give us faith to believe that you really did die and you really did come back to life. That is a gift. It's a supernatural thing to believe that. This is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I love that passage. I put this passage on our website. It says this, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That really happened. And that he was buried. That really happened. And that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That really happened. This is history. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. So within that 40 days, 500 brothers appeared. Most of them were still alive, though now some have fallen asleep, some have passed on. Verse 7, he says, and then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is real. And sometimes it takes, it'll do you good to sit in the morning and pause before you just sing a song or read a verse or do your Christianity, whatever you do. And just, just beg God for Hebrews 11. Like, if anyone comes to you, I got to believe you exist. You know, for those of us who are having our devotions or your times with the Lord, and you know how sometimes it feels so stale or whatnot or weird, or you're having a hard time just getting in there, I think you need to just talk, pause, take a breath, and remember he's alive. Like, for real. Like, pause, take a breath, slow yourself down, and realize the one you're approaching, the author of the book you're reading, is, in fact, alive. The question tonight is, do you believe he's really real? Is Jesus Christ the realest reality to you? Hebrews 11 says, it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. And whoever would draw near, you must believe that he exists. That is a big thing. And that's not something that you can just be smart enough to get. Faith is a gift. He, Ephesians chapter 2 
It's a gift. It's a gift. It's why Paul prays the way he prays in chapter 3. Let me read you his prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. That's noteworthy. When's the last time you prayed your knees off, Christian? Because Paul does. For what reason? The earlier part of chapter 3 is the mystery of this gospel being revealed. Like, this is real stuff. And I don't care how smart you are or what intellectual you think you are. If you don't have faith, you're not going to get it. So I got to pray. I'm going to pray that you have faith to believe this. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, give it to you, give it to you. It's a gift. You can't earn this. And you need strength with power through the Spirit in your inner beating so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Then he says, now him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, this is the immeasurably more, that you just believe Jesus really is real. And he really died, and he really rose in accordance with the scriptures to save your soul. That's where we have to start. Do you believe this? There's proof, many proofs. We must believe he's risen from the dead. You have to believe he exists. And then it says he kept on going, talking about the kingdom. You got to believe he's the king. Luke is trying to tell Theophilus, the king's not dead. The king is alive. My king is coming again. That's such a big, mind-blowing thing that I think forever, as long as I'm breathing, it's, gonna, it's, it's never going to get old that Jesus Christ is alive. And I need to preach that to my soul every single day. If that doesn't become a certainty in your heart, where you have faith that Jesus is in fact alive, you're going to suffer. And you're, this, this life is going to be hard. You know what the reality of him being alive to you does? You know the song? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. And my life's worth living. You ever feel, I talked to a lot of people recently that are struggling with anxiety and depression, things like that. Try this. He's alive. Praying for wisdom from heaven of how to comfort my friend who lost his wife. What words to say? What do you do? What cute things do you say? Sometimes you don't say nothing. You just be there. But then you've got to come to this, this fact. She loved Jesus, right? Her Lord, her Savior. He's alive. He's alive. Now life is worth living. Have you forgotten Do you believe? How about this? Do you live your days as if you believe? Does, does your life look like you, like Jesus is alive? How do you deal with your sin? What do you do when you're struggling with sin? Do you hide it? Where do you run? Well, if he's alive, and he is who he is, and he did what he did, and you go to him, do you? 
How did we sing just 30 minutes ago? Was it to a risen Savior? How do you study this book? Okay, children, I speak to you too. I think you guys might have the greatest advantage in this room at times. I remember I was a preschool teacher for about seven years. Man, I loved doing Bible story with the preschoolers. They were just so fired up. There was one time I was talking like, I was like, can you imagine? We were talking, it was Easter time. We are talking about the resurrection. And we had like a door back over here. And I was like, kids, we were doing chapel time. I was like, can you imagine if Jesus came today? And then they're like, ah! you know, like, can you imagine if he was right behind that door? And then they're like, open the door. You know, like, and it was just like, I was like, oh no. You know, I was um, can you imagine? You know, that would be so good. And, and it, but, but it's like there's that faith, really. There's that real just, I don't want to lose that. I, and this is, this is a must. And Luke, I think, is writing to Theophilus. Hey, understand this. He's alive. Many proofs. 40 days. Showed himself to 500 plus. The reader and Theophilus ought to have read verse 3 and been like, wow. Like, no. For real? And Luke would have to write in the Greek, for real, for real. You know, it just it's like, what? Do you believe? Verse 4. Now, while staying with them, that's another fact of this is not imagery or whatever. Jesus really did come to life, and he, he stayed with these people. He lived with them. He ate with them. That must have been such a trip, right? The risen Savior, you just saw him die, come back to life, and now he's eating with you. I just imagine the disciples eating, like just constantly looking at him like, oh, my gosh, did he just burp? Oh my gosh, like he's alive. Try to go to a graveyard and just imagine <laughs> anything, anyone coming back to life. Does that not just wig you out? This is why it's supernatural faith. If you're a Christian, you're telling me you believe in a risen person. That's epic, man. It's got to sink into the heart. It's not an intellectual battle there. It's just faith. It says in verse four, so he stayed with them. While, while staying with them, now look at this. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We'll, we'll, we'll slow it down a little bit and just kind of finish up chewing on this. So interesting, it says he had to order them. That word study, it's a declare. I charge you. Like, hey, hey, I'm commanding you. No go. Wait. Wait. Young people, we don't like that word, huh? Wait. Oh. It's your hora. Oh. You know. Five more minutes. Oh. You know. You put your stuff in the microwave. Two minutes. You take it out. It still feels cold. Oh. Right? We hate waiting. But it's funny, you know, because he has to command. The, the impl- it kind of gives this idea, like, maybe they never, like, wait. Right? Bro, 40 days. We were, oh my gosh, they're taking selfies with Jesus. This is incredible. We got to go. Let's go. You know, like, I don't know. You try to imagine. Put yourself in their shoes. You've seen them. 
Take that to life. He's been teaching you, talking with you, eating burritos with you and everything. I mean, gosh, it's been over a month now. It's like, dude, dude, shucks. It's kind of fun to imagine that they maybe even had some enthusiasm, a little bit of like, dude, let's go, dude. Let's go tell somebody. Bruh. And then he says, wait. (laughs) No, 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 no. I order you. You know, don't go. Wait for what? Wait for the promise. Okay, write this down. I'll read it to you. Luke 24, 49. All right, it says this. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. All right? You got to hold it and slow down because you need the promise. What is the promise? You're going to be clothed with power from on high. What is that? Well, we're going to get there next week, Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the promise. Do some more studies. You can read it all through John, the last chapters of John about the Holy Spirit. Jesus even says it. Bro, it's better that I go. I think it's 16.7. It's to your advantage that I go because if I go, then the helper... The Spirit's going to come. So I'm a bounce, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, and that's going to be way better to your advantage. So what is Jesus saying when he commands them, like, whoa, slow down, wait. He's saying, don't go do this without me. You need me. Don't go doing ministry without the Holy Spirit. Don't go doing this on your own flesh and power and ability, man. I think we have a tendency to run ahead of God, don't we? We don't know how to keep in step with the Spirit. And I wonder how many of us, even in, I'm, I'm analyzing my life, how much of the ministry that I've done today was flesh? How much of the outreach or the evangelism that I've been trying to do, all the witnessing that I've been trying to do in the water, in my neighborhood, how much of that did I do without the Holy Spirit? Here's a question for those of us who are trying to minister to people, reach people, share Christ with people, love people, how much you pray for those people. Honestly, how, how much of you pray your knees off for Billy or Bob or Sue or whatever? We know more Billy, Bob, Sue's in Hawaii. It's more like Kaika, Kavika, and, you know, Pualena. You know, like, like, like how much do you pray your knees off for them and say, Holy Spirit, God in heaven, you got to give them faith. And I don't even know what to say, God. I need your power. I need to be clothed with the Holy Spirit. You know, we prayed for Joseph and Emma. They're about to go and see their family. And I think the Holy Spirit, you know, they need to be praying. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Clothe us with your power. Help us to be witnesses in this household. Guys, don't do this life. Don't do ministry. Don't walk. You can't walk. You cannot be a witness without the Spirit. That's what's being said here. You can't. He's setting himself up for verse 8. You're going to witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and Hawaii's ends of the earth. We're on the opposite side of the globe of Jerusalem. And it's like, it's going to happen. Just not without the power of the Holy Spirit. Like even right now, this, everything that we're experiencing right now, me trying to explain a Bible. I'm a local boy that does not like reading. Never did. I can't do this without the Holy Spirit. 
I can't love my neighbor without the Holy Spirit. I can't be faithful to my wife without the Holy Spirit. I can't father my son without the Holy Spirit. I can't truly love the members in this church without the Holy Spirit. And if I try to do it without God, it's going to fail. That's why Jesus says, wait, wait. I'm glad you're fired up, but maybe you're driven by flesh. I don't know. Maybe they were thinking like, bro, it's time to hit it. We gotta, we're going to make this big. I don't know what they were thinking, but Jesus says, you just you need to wait. You need to stop. Wait for the promise. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You need the Spirit to be a witness. Something that I've been praying for us and myself personally is just, I just... I met Moses tonight, right? There's a Moses over here. Hand out the Moses of the Bible, but I was thinking about Moses in the Bible and how Moses was just like, if you're you're not there, I don't want to go there. Where you go, like, I just want to go where you're going. And if your presence is not with me, I want nothing to do with it. Oh, would we be a church? Would we be a, a people that are like that? Holy Spirit, lead me. Jesus, lead me. He's alive. Shoot. Hard to stop on five verses. Wait for the promise of the Father. John baptized with water. Symbolic stuff. Bree's going to get baptized soon. Yeah, yeah. October. As epic. Yeah, you can celebrate. That's epic. Dunking is bomb. You know, like it's like serious. Like it's, um, but, but the real deal is when the Holy Spirit comes upon her and does what the Holy Spirit does, convicts her of her sin, shows her her wrong. Helps her realize she needs a savior, that Brie can't save herself. She's lost without him. And she heard through the commands and the word of God that Jesus came in the flesh. He lived the life that we should have lived. And he died the death that we all deserved. And he paid it in blood, real blood. This is historical fact. And he died and he was buried and three days later, boom, from the tomb. Shocking the world. Everyone's still in disbelief. And that by God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives someone like brief faith to believe. That, that happened. And he saved my soul. He's my righteousness. I just want to be found in Christ. So when we plunge her into the waters, it's a picture of her dying to her old self. And when we lift her out of the water after holding her down for seven minutes to make sure she's dead. No, no, no. She would lift her up. And the whole church just, yeah, we celebrate with her. It's no longer she who lives, but now it's Christ. That's what's happening in symbolic form. But in spirit. Brie now will become witness. Witness to what? How we're getting ahead. This is verse 8. She's going to see. She's going to see the unleashing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in her life, and she's not going to be able to keep quiet. And at that point, when the promise comes, give them. Give them.
what we need, what our generation needs, what is, is, a, is a church, is a people, and we come back to the word of God, come back to these commands, we beg the Holy Spirit to illuminate it and empower us and give us faith. You believe, I believe in a risen Savior overcoming death. Man, that ought to just change everything for you. Has it not? This is what Jesus came to do and teach. And he's still doing it and teaching it. We have to, we're going to pause. We'll pick it up next week at verse 6. But I have some suggestions for us. I mean, I really would urge you guys, myself included, to pray for faith to believe in the historic Jesus, the risen Christ. Pray for an appetite to immerse yourself. Man, I'm so excited to go through Acts. I mean, we're gonna be, this is like our family, man. This is Peter, Paul. These are our brothers and sisters we're going to be reading about. You know, there's, um, I was talking to some earlier. I mean, there's been this desire and appetite for like small groups in our fellowship here and just people to come together and, and really like not just remind each other that Jesus is alive, but get into the word of God to hear the commands and the word of the Lord. I mean, guys, as we go through Acts, I mean, gosh, I just, I just what I do pray is for an unleashing crazy appetite for this book right here because like i said we're gonna see it when we pick it up next week from from verse eight it's just gonna be like fire like we're gonna see the gospel unleashed and it's just gonna boom go you know augustine said where scripture speaks god speaks i mean it's just like dude that's so i hope you start to marvel at what you have in your hands like sometimes just sit and look at it and be like that's the word of god that's the word of god god no, yeah, that's it right there. It shocks me that it can just sit on a shelf in a house now. It can be in a hotel room maybe and just sit. Like, dude, that's the word of God. When I dared myself in middle school to read this book cover to cover, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea what I was about to tap into. No idea. Some of you families, you couples, you know, you're deciding that, you know, we're going to read through the Bible together. Sometimes we don't realize what we're getting ourselves into, but, you know, the enemy does, and he will do everything he can to snuff that desire out. The enemy in the flesh will do everything he can to not let us become, come back to that first century and be people of the book and just, oh, they're devoted to this. They love this. I could spit scriptures from chapter one all the way to chapter eight of like, and the spirit of God came upon them and they preached the word of God with more boldness. They studied the word of God more fervently. They just, oh, I'm praying that as we go through Acts, you have this crazy, ferocious hunger and drooling appetite for Bible study like you've never had in your life. No matter what GPA you got, no matter how smart you think you are or how not smart you think you are, the Holy Spirit does this. And we do it together as a family. So here we are, we're in Acts. Just to recap, Jesus' work continues. Jesus is alive and he exists. And don't go on doing ministry or life without the Holy Spirit. 
And so as God leads us as we close our time in prayer and fellowship even this evening, be sensitive to the reality of his presence. Even after I say amen, he's here. Jesus walks among the lampstands. That's the church. Talk to him. Holy Spirit, you spoke to me during Bible study. What must I do right now as we fellowship with each other? Interact with the Holy Spirit and one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, by your grace, allowing us to break into a new book tonight. We thank you that your word is living and active and that it does not return empty. We thank you so much for giving us faith to believe this. Is this not why we're all here? Who would have thought that we would pause in the middle of the week to come to a place and open the Bible and listen to it? Who did that? You did that. That is the acts of the Holy Spirit. No person, no church takes credit for that. If there's any heart and soul in this room that's beating for Christ, that wants to know more about their maker and has an itch for this book right now and wants to get out of here and just open it up and tear through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, no one takes credit for that. That's all Jesus and that's all the Holy Spirit. So you get all the glory, God. And so thank you again. I pray that as we fellowship this evening and as we go from here, you would fill our homes with the word of God. You would fill our conversations with the Holy Spirit and that you would just be so vibrant among us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us energy and thank you for uh, giving us faith. Give us more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.